stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help, and Embiid takes it right to the rack. Embiid, step back, jumper, you bet. There he is again. The Euro step there. Embiid getting Gobert up. What's going on, everybody? It's a Friday afternoon. Really, it's kind of like eat. What is the cutoff time when like you, afternoon becomes evening? I feel like that's a very four forty-five is very much that time of the day, right? Varies on the season, man. Summer, it's like one two. Yeah, winter you can go a little bit longer. Yeah, we're getting down to that winter time, man. I don't know. It's getting dark. It is getting dark, right? Um, we have a lot to discuss as, as training camp approaches. Um, obviously, this is Tiago. You know him on Twitter as T Scabia. Uh, I am Austin Krell, of course. NBA Krell, as you know on Twitter. Um, Tiago, training camp begins begins uh, uh, this upcoming week. Monday is media day, so it's no better time really to talk about what's coming up for this team and things to watch for than right now. So what Tiago and I are going to do today after Tiago, uh, you know, introduces himself a little bit and, uh, and, and let everybody know how he's doing. Um, we're going to take our top five uh, storylines heading into camp. Um, Tiago, how are you doing today? I'm doing, man. I'm just trying to live day by day here, you know, yeah. trying to avoid all the Ben Simmons chatter. <laughs> the, the bombs are thrown back and forth on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Still try to look forward to the season. I think there's a lot to look forward. We'll talk about some of that stuff today. Uh, it's not all Ben Simmons with this team, although it is a big part of what they're going to become in the future. But, you know, it's still exciting times ahead, man. People flew side of the fact that they have Joel Embiid on the roster. And that's a big piece of the equation, man. That's, that's step one to becoming a championship team. But, I'm doing well. It's been a fun summer. I'm looking forward to the new season coming up here for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of feels like it's too soon almost in a way. I guess because like it was ridiculous covering the ending of that last season. That was insane. Um, and I kind of feel like I'm like, okay, we're getting back into the swing of things. The season opener is less than a month away. So it's in, 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 in essence, it's time. Um, so look at down the business here. Tiago, we're going to go one by one. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to present our five big things to watch heading into training camp. And I get the sense that with Ben Simmons' absence and his, I guess, impending departure from the franchise, it kind of seems as though um, – a lot of them will probably have to do with the pieces filling in around Ben Sim around uh, the hole that Ben Simmons is going to leave. So I'll let you start. Give me your fifth biggest storyline to watch. So fifth, right? So yeah. I had him ranks one through five. So I'll start in the back. Um, Matisse Thybul, I think, is a guy that. Uh, is on the verge of becoming a special player. It doesn't mean he's a star or anything like that. Just a special type of player. But uh, for me, in order to take that leap this year, I'm looking for him to do a couple of things. Uh, first, offensively, when he's on the court, uh, I want him and the team to feel his presence more as an offensive threat. Yeah, so rely a lot on him to be a spot-up shooter, a corner shooter, a three-point shooter in the offense, and. I'm not sure there's exactly his entire role should be like that in the office. I think there's different ways that you can deploy Matisse and get him in the rhythm of the offense. I mean, we saw how, for instance, Australia used them during the Olympics, using as a role man, as a cutter, even a little bit as a passer. So I think that getting him involved in the office, getting him to follow the office may have, may have a bigger impact for him offensively. Um, and then also defensively. So I think, I mean, we'll talk about his, defense being generational for a variety of different rate reasons, but there's a level of trust that I think Doc still needs to find in him. For instance, fouling situations where, you know, you shouldn't be fouling. And we talked about it in the Atlanta game at the end of that, that game, not seven. So 
know, becoming more consistent defensively, particularly around when and how to foul and who to foul. I think those are things that he's going to have to work on because everything else defensively just plays really well for him. So, yeah, Matisse Thibault for me is number five. Okay, so I had Thibault's, I guess, is a more important thing on my list than that, but we'll get to that later. For me, it's going to be Isaiah Joe and the other backups at the two and the three, um, whether that's like – because I think he'll ultimately probably fit into either spot because his three-point volume, at least if you put it at per 36, is probably going to profile as like a shooting guard or someone who's just a, a, a three and D wing. Um, so he's obviously going to be going up against like shake for those minutes for con cork Maz. Um, and you know, uh, I, I guess if, 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 if they get like a wing back in the Ben trade, then that wing might be there. Or if that wing is an upgrade over Danny or Seth and maybe Seth or Danny will be in one of those spots off the bench as well. But I think for me, it's got to be Isaiah Joe. Um, and I think the reason for that is because they're going to, they just need to like up their shooting and they don't have enough shooters who are going to be like, I'm going to shoot 10 threes tonight, every night. <laughs> um, Furkan will do it if you let him, although the, 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 the output is not always encouraging and very hit or miss. Um, Danny will do it, but you need more than one guy that can, can that can, hit 37, 38, 39, 40% of his threes on 10 attempts per game. Um, so Isaiah can be that guy. And I think if he takes the step defensively, the chance that he, they'll trust him more with those minutes. Um, I'm interested to see like in camp or even in the preseason, if they're more willing to let him sort of be a secondary handler on the court and, the, and, uh, Maybe not be like a, a playmaker that they're relying upon, but I think, like I said, I said this a lot since summer league. He's comfortable with the ball in his hands because he played point guard in high school. Um, so I think he had there is some innate touch there where he can read a defense and and a, and, a, and and break down a play and make the right decision out of that. And I think the more wing guys that you have out there that are capable of, of either catching and going up immediately for a shot or putting it on the deck on a hard closeout and getting to the rim or making the play off the dribble. That's going to open up this offense so much and, 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 and unclog, um, I guess, unclog things that were clogged when you have a, a Ben Simmons or uh, someone of that ilk in, in your half court offense. Yeah. That was my question to you because uh, we saw in summer league, I mean, his passing was phenomenal. He really showcased some different types of passing. Yeah. Live dribble, live ball passing, which I thought was very interesting. So my question would be if you see that translating to uh, the NBA, and if it does translate, do you think he can eventually take over Shake's role? Because I do think – I mean, that, that will tie into my next storyline. Lineup creativity, multiple guards, three guards, four guards, even four guard lineups, who knows? I mean, guys yeah. who can handle the ball and really shoot at a high volume – that could potentially change the Sixers offensive equation. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I, if I were a betting man, I would probably say that the likelihood is that um, they don't give him enough opportunity or he doesn't feel like he is comfortable enough putting the ball on the deck and, and becoming one of those like secondary or tertiary playmakers. So that was, so my guess would be that you probably don't see it unless it's like emergency situations or it's like a very, like every once in a while. But I do think that there is some stuff there, but I also think that like in the modern NBA, especially in the last couple of years, a lot of second round picks are guys that are just on NBA deals or like fighting for a spot. That's just sort of a baseline standard of like, I can dribble a little bit. I can make some plays, but if you put him up against like a real summer or against a real NBA team, not just summer league players, how does that translate? What does that look like? Is that a, is that a is that a pickpocket? Is that a pickpocket from behind? Is that a, a intercepted uh, bounce pass? Is, is that you know a block? Who knows? Um, but I think if you put some more body on him and get a little physical with them, might get a little jeopardized there. So I think there's something there worth experimenting with, which I think is why it's a storyline for me in summer camp or. Uh, in training camp and then this and then in the preseason but i think he'll 
probably be confined to like a catch and shoot role and and, and maybe with some a little with a little bit of like dribble drive and, and straight line stuff that, that Tobias does. Yeah, I do think he's gonna have the short end of the stick when Doc wants to shorten the bench. I think he's one of those guys that Doc's gonna pull out real quickly and not be part of the part of the rotation, but who knows? Yeah. 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 Um I give you my fourth. My fourth is going to be Paul Reed. Just the development of Paul Reed. Um, objectively, I think Paul Reed's a really fun guy. Just, just like, like, uh, like, here like, comes the butt. Here comes the butt. Then, then I don't really have a butt. I mean, I, I was just gonna say, like, I guess as a journalist, I'm not supposed to say that he's a fun guy that you like the guy, but I think you you just can't help but sort of get a kick out of him, right? Um, and I think his personality kind of exudes on the floor because as sort of spurious and, and, and I don't know if that's the right word, but like as spur of the moment as he is as a person in terms of like what he says and his answers to, to things and like the way he plays around, um, at least into the face of the media, he kind of plays that way too. Cause like you never kind of, you're never sure of what you're going to get from him on the court, which is both a good and a bad thing. I think in this system, it's a bad thing probably because doc doesn't trust the young guys at all. Yeah. Um, really? For the most part, I think my reason for intrigue here um, is I, just reading tea leaves. I think there's a little bit of internal discourse as to like whether he's a four or a five. Um, and I'm very curious to see how he's deployed in camp. Um, he's worth a spot in the rotation for sure. Cause I think you have to at least at some point give him a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you, if you're if you're looking to develop the, the the back end of your rotation, you're going to need to get some bang for your lottery ticket buck um, in terms of like your 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 in your cost controlled assets hitting. So if you don't play him, it's impossible to, for him to hit if he doesn't get playing time. So if they're gonna if they're trying to flip a guy for a trade in a trade. You're going to need young assets, so he at least if he if he bursts, that at least helps you in that standard um, or in that way. But I just think that there's so much athleticism there. There's like a big Pandora's box of what he can do. He can shoot it a little bit. He can um, he can do a bunch of different things for you. And I think um, that versatility, especially in a small ball lineup, could really be something that pays dividends in the sense that. They put the, the team goes the team team says all right well we're gonna go small 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 ball lineup and uh, we're gonna put uh, Dwayne Deadman for for example um, in the game as as our stretch five and we're gonna and we're, we're gonna get, get a little smaller or if we're gonna put Marcus Morris as our stretch five um, you would in that sense want to go smaller because it's going to be harder to guard in space, especially if you have Andre Drummond playing the following spot. So if they're going to be doing that, the way you combat that is going to be by going smaller yourself and 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 not deploying drop coverage so much against because if Paul Reed can guard in space, there's not really a need for drop coverage. So not only is it important that he can do that, it's important for them to give him a chance to do that and for him to perform well at it because the better he performs, the more they'll trust him, the more they'll play him. Um, and I think you just have to be able to, you have to be willing to give a different look in, in, in the playoffs and in, 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 in important regular season matchups, just because you need to have a plan other than, Oh, I'm just going to go throw it all on Andre Drummond or I'm going to throw it all on Dwight Howard. If that's the plan. We're, we're not even watching both scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching the golden girls. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm with you. Paul Reed should be playing. He should have a lot of minutes, especially early in the year, uh, just to see what he has. Man, I'm big on his developmental curve. We had a guy in house called you know, Jeremy Grant, who didn't shoot the ball really well. You know, didn't really do much except run up and down the court. But you saw the athleticism. You saw how switchable he was. How he was able to play multiple positions. And I, I. He reminds me a lot of Paul Reed when I watch Paul Reed play. Uh, I'm not as high on his offense as a lot of people are. Uh, I know that he's got a little bit of jump shot. You know, he's very active around the rim. But 
I don't see him being able to set up defenders uh, either at the post or off the dribble. Yeah, he's got a little bit of those, those moves going on, but it seems very linear, very straightforward. And I think that once teams get a scouting on him, he's going to have a harder time getting to the rim. But we've seen him working on it. I mean, we see Vitas out here working on the post, working in different types of moves. So hopefully some of that translate. But I agree with you, man. Paul Reed is a guy who will rebound, will give you energy. And you can match up small or even big a little bit. So, absolutely. Early in the year, man, you throw everything on the table and you see what you got. I think that should be the, the formula with Doc early on. Yeah. Um, you said you're not as high on his offense. I think – is that a case you could make with, like, most guys that are not, like, surefire lottery or first-round guys? And you're like – they're big-bodied. And they're athletic. So I think that the natural inclination is to assume and comfortably lean towards your being more confident in their defense and their offense as is. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that I'm impressed with his offense because I haven't seen enough of it over a bigger sample size to, to know. But I do think there's a lot to like there. Um, I think he's ever, ever so slightly getting more comfortable with putting the ball on the floor and just getting to the rim, which is somewhat at his size with the ability to do that. And maybe, you know, if, if they overplay to the left, having a little spin move to come back right and finish with the right hand, that's going to be so big to have a guy like that. And that's really unicornish in, in, in for lack of a better word, um, because like he plays and profiles like a four or a five, but he can move like a gazelle in, in some senses. Right. But here's the thing, though, with Paul Reed, right? Because if he's in for Joel Embiid and the Sixers don't really have another scoring guard on the roster, yeah. um, where is the offense coming from? <laughs> so now you got a guy who kind of figured himself out in the offense and you got a bunch of, you know, unitaskers and maybe Tobias Harris trying to do everything by himself. Uh, it's not necessarily the recipe for offense, but that should not stop you from uh, trying it out. And I think that if you do get a scoring guard, if you know, we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about this name later on the podcast. You know, if Maxi, for instance, takes the leap, then now we're talking about some some interesting uh, combinations to work with. Yeah. Um, I do think part of the reason there is at least some degree of fear with him is like, you're just never sure what you're going to get. Like, the, I can't get the play out of, of out of my mind from Summer League where he, like, tried to do, like, an isolation post-up from, like, the block, like, the block extended, and then, like, spun a little bit, couldn't find where he wanted to go. So you just, like, tried a lefty layup and threw it off the glass and got all air. And it was just, like, 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 I, see, like I see why they'd have some reservations now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I think that was a reflection of he's trying to be – two different things. He's trying to be a four and a five. So that way they, that way they feel like they can do um, a lot of things with him. Because I think, again, there is some internal, uh, I wouldn't say argument, but maybe lack of, of agreement perhaps on um, whether he's a four or a five. So I, that that's something to say. Maybe, maybe, maybe whoever is involved and in, if that is the case, um, comes to a conclusion and they can get on the same page and then they can confine on the one position and he can really develop from there. But we'll see. Give me your fourth item. Take a quick break from the pod to talk about our sponsors at the King Cobra. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, you can check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. Um, and Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all on all products, enter the code just the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. So my four ties ties in a little bit to what you talked about Paul Reed, Isaiah Joe, uh, and to me it's lineup flexibility and lineup uh, versatility, particularly with your bench. So I think one of the lost storylines of the whole. Sixers lost and Ben Simmons is the reason number one through hundred why they lost uh, is the fact that the Sixers bench once again was an absolute disaster. And for much of what we saw in the regular season. Like the funny part is it was the best bench I've had in like four or five years. Yes. 
<laughs> which speaks volumes to how yes. they treated the roster of the last three to four years. But it's a conversation for a different day. Oh boy. Lost in the, in that is, you know, Doc Rivers, you know, and the fact that he really rolled that all bench lineup. And when you're able to break everything down, I mean, the Sixers starting lineup was one of the best starting lineups in all the NBA. And yeah. the drop off from that to even their second and third most used lineup is monumental. You're talking from like plus 250 to like a minus 10, which yeah. is absolutely monumental. So, and if you're going one step further, is the fact that, you know, their third most used lineup in all season was their all bench lineup with Dwight, Matisse, I know, Mike Scott, and the, the same culprit. So, um, that to me has to have. Doc has to find a middle ground between playing your starters and playing your bench and being creative in how you deploy different pieces. And, you know, a couple of things that I noted down throughout the year was, for instance, we talked about earlier in the podcast is, are you able to go multiple guards, three guard lineups, right? So perhaps you keep Joel, but you're throwing Joe, Korkmaz and Seth Curry, a combination of such. And now you have a lot of offense on the, on the floor. Uh, you will still keep your anchor on defense and kind of go from there. Another thing that I saw last year, for instance, was that I saw a little bit of Tobias Harris being able to play the five. So, again, matchup-oriented. You're not putting Tobias against, you know, whoever. But Put him against Zion. Just let him let, let Right, him. right. Yeah. When you have Marcus Morris out there or something like that, why can you match up with Marcus Morris in the five? He gives you that offense, gives you that flexibility on defense. You saw him match up against Anthony Davis with the Lakers. So I thought that was very interesting. A game where Tobias really defended uh, AD very well and you know, Paul Reed is another example. So uh, there's a lot to work with. Uh, he's got George's Niang, who's going to fill that Mike Scott role, which should be a big improvement over what we saw with Mike Scott last year. So different pieces to work with. Obviously, we're expecting Maxi to take a leap of some capacity, which should help. Uh, but the overall theme, I think, is creativity. Think a little bit outside the box. You know, use the stretch for five more frequently than you do Andre Drummond's for specific matchups. Um, try to see how see how those pieces match, man. The whole like five the five guys off the bench for extended minutes, like that has to stop, man. I mean, you don't see a lot of teams doing that anymore. So yeah. 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 Um I agree with what you said for sure. And well the but that is about to come is not a disagreement with you at all. Like I agree with it. I just, I, I was kind of thinking maybe Doc might show some signs of like self-reflection and like, oh, I'll make these changes, and perhaps he has. But by all of his publicity he's gotten in the last week or so, it tells seems to me that he just has not has not learned from, from his mistakes, and so it seems like we might just be in tune for another episode of of, of that season. However, um. I will say this. I do wonder how much different everything looks when Ben Simmons is not in the mix and someone else is in the spot that Ben Simmons used to occupy. Like, I wonder how much differently, if at all, he coaches or plays the lineups without without Ben being part of the team. Because um, I feel like the grading of Doc comes with the caveat of okay but like Ben played like this in the playoffs and it doesn't it doesn't excuse the fact that like he did a lot of it the same in the regular season but I'd also retort with the fact that okay but they won 49 games from the one seed in the east in the regular season yeah, right but, so I, I get I get I get that I mean Ben was atrocious in the playoffs and it definitely you know hamstrung a little bit of what handcuff right. what Doc could do uh, with this bench there's no question about it I mean, that being said, I mean, you got to play Tyrese Maxi more than what he played, man. I oh, mean, yeah, for sure. No, 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 that's, that's 100% on So, like, yeah, I mean, and you're playing shit, you only extended minutes, and, you know, with the White Howard fiasco, at some point, man, there's got to be a better round. So I get it. And we, what really irked me was the fact that if you roll back that game five, where everything kind of seemed to kind of fall apart, it started with that bench in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he kept that leader north for a very long time. By the time the starters came back in, man, the momentum has swayed the other way. So, you know, you hope he's able to see those very specific moments of the season and think twice, but we'll see. Yeah, but I, agree. I agree. Now, do you hold any gravity in the fact that the 
starters came back in with a 13-point lead and they still couldn't contain? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they should have been able to close that door, no questions. Uh, there's mm-hmm. definitely an element of like, well, we still got this. Don't worry about it. It's still a double-digit uh, lead, but uh, momentum is a real thing in basketball, man. Especially oh, yeah, for sure. Guys like Trey Young on the court, once they start feeling that, it's, yeah. uh, it's tough to put the lid back on. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sean Ford said Tobias should be a guy who can get his own shot, but eh. I think he's a better shot creator or at least self-provision shot creator yeah. than people give him credit for. Like I think he's a I think he's a very a very capable scorer. Uh I will agree and disagree. <laughs> I think in the regular season, Tobias Harris is a perfect complimentary ball handler in your offense. The guy can create, shoot off the dribble. I think as the postseason progresses, I uh I am not necessarily sure that's to be accurate. <laughs> As we've seen for the last two postseasons here in Philadelphia. Well, to be fair, he averaged like 25 points per game in the playoffs. He did, but he was he was much better this postseason, no question about it. But I mean, late in that Atlanta series, man, it was it was tough sliding again. Fair. I don't see him as a dynamic ball handler as perhaps Doc or other folks see him. I think he's again very linear. He doesn't really create a lot of shooting separation. Doesn't really create contact. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. And that was actually one of my storylines moving forward. <laughs> uh, we're very we're very high as a consensus on the second. You can tell. Um, <laughs> your 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 third item. So my third item was, and I wrote it down. Make sure I get it right here. Uh, yeah, it was really around Tobias Harris. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was i was gonna think if i could think something to fly because we already talked about the bias but we're gonna talk about the bias <laughs> he's a big part of the offense man there we go there we go we all love the bias man i mean the guy you know if you push the money aside which I, it's a real thing but people get to hung up too much i think on the money the guy's a productive nba player yeah you're not gonna find too many guys able to produce at his level on a consistent basis and he's steady. He's just a steady. He's a steady. He's a steady twenty or a steady twenty, twenty-two, whatever. Absolutely. And you saw in games where he was not in the lineup, how the Sixers in the fourth quarter kind of like dissolved because he's a guy who was able to handle the ball and not turn the ball over a lot, which is a big thing. I mean, Ben is a turnover machine. The other guys, Joel, is kind of a turnover machine as well late in games. So uh, he's one of those guys able to settle the offense and really kind of calm things down and run the offense. And there's a lot of value to that. But it is like dumbfounding to me why he continues to take less and less and less three pointers a game with the Sixers. That's the one thing I was going to talk to. <laughs> I was going to, that was the one thing that I was like, he's got it. Like, like his three point volume is just preposterous. It's unbelievable. The guy's a phenomenal three point shooter. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's Doc enabling him and, and Brett enabling him as a ball handler, but. That equation to me has to flip. Uh, he's got to be yeah. able to take five or even more three-pointers a game because he's a very good shooter, and that would do wonders for the Sixers' offense. And the Sixers can potentially introduce more ball handlers in the offense, So, especially if they trade Ben and get more guards in return. So uh, what I'm looking for with Tobias and with Doc is, yes, he's going to run some pick and roll for you because he's a, a good ball handler, but – to be able to work a little bit more off ball, because when you go in the postseason, man, what I'm seeing Tobias's value in the postseason is a guy who can really spot up and kill yeah. you from distance, from the corner, from the wing, and really be that extra shooter that the Sixers needed last year against Atlanta just didn't have outside of you know Seth Curry, and, and then when Danny Green went down, it was nobody else pretty much. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm looking for with Tobias. But my fear is that Doc doesn't see that, and he thinks that Tobias should kind of be his pick and roll ball handler for most of the offense, which I'm not sure is the way to go. I mean, I think it's something that you can like experiment with, like against like the Washington Wizards on a Tuesday night. Like, I think that's something that you can do more of there. But like, if you, when you're, when you're going up against like the Nets or a team that has like a Bruce Brown, um, sort of like a Tasmanian devil of the, of defender type guys, um, that's when you're going to have problems because bigger bodies don't, he doesn't. He's not too receptive to bigger bodies. Um, rangy defenders are going to be able to, to to loosen up that ball handle a little, little bit, um, and more athletic and 
I guess more laterally lateral moving bigs are going to be able to come over and contest that jumper and the mid range. I definitely agree with you. He has to that, that that three point volume can't be like three or four. It has to be like five or six. Yeah. I also just don't know that we're ever going to get that out of him because I just don't see it. I don't. I bet if you asked Daryl Moore that question, you you get to coach the Sixers for one game. What is Tobias Harris's role? Tobias is not allowed to take one single two. Just all, <laughs> all threes and layups. The threes and dunks. That's it. That's it. Um, and I guess you would, my guess is you'd go like six of 17, probably. But oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Daryl would love it, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my third, and you touched on this a little bit, Matisse Thibel's offensive progression and development. That has to be a big thing this year, especially if Ben's not going to be around. Um, he's got to be a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. This last season, he shot 30.1% on catch-and-shoots in three, 2.1 attempted per game. So you're going to need more than that. You're going to need to get that up like a full shot, or like a full two shots, and get that percentage up to like 34 or 35. You really need to do that um, because he needs to be a competent catch-and-shoot guy. In order to warrant his op- in order to warrant keeping him on the floor for long stretches of time, um, and I think there's a case where he could start this year. Like I think there's a case for for that because he's that good of a defensive player. Um, but his offensive and, and and he shouldn't and it shouldn't be just that he's okay with just I'm going to go to the corner and sit there and wait. Um, it's going to be like oh my guy is my my guy played a little too high on me. He played a little too off me. I'm going to cut hard the basket and get it back yeah. here or Joe's in the paint. They're going to, they're going to send a hard double from the weak side. I'm going to cut baseline when he does that and get a dunk out of it. There needs to be more intuitive, more um, aggressive, more, more consistent cutting because not only will that help him, but if, if his, if that gets on the, if that, if that makes it on the scouting report that, Hey, he's gotten a, he's better as a cutter. They're going to be a little bit more hesitant to leave him to go double Joel. That's going to help spacing right. in, in, innately. So, just being a better catch and shoot guy is going to be so important um, long term for him. I would, this is kind of a hot take, I think, but I would venture to say that if he can get that by like, by, by his mid to late 20s, like 25, 26, 27, 28, if he can get the three point proficiency up to 35, 36%. Mm-hmm. My guess is that he'll be an all-star consideration. Really? Ooh. That's that's how good of a defender he is, I think. So you're also factoring the fact that Doc will play 30-plus minutes a game, which is – Yes. Okay. I think it's very helpful to, to, to Matisse that Doc – like I asked Doc, I was like, which player on the team do you think is most similar to you? And he said it was Matisse. So I think if Doc sees himself in Matisse, he's going to be more receptive to playing Matisse more minutes. So. I know. Hopefully he's right on. You're the shot doctor. When I look at Matisse shoot, shooting mechanics, it doesn't look out of whack. It and, I, and I'm always surprised why it doesn't go in. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off pace here, but it looks like decent. I don't know. Maybe a different take on it. I would say there's good balance in his mechanics. And I think, generally speaking, he has a, a decent base in his in the way his, his footwork is. Um, I think he rushes it at times, and I think sometimes he is also way too slow with it. And he thinks about it too much, um, and I think so. As a result, he's not a great rhythm shooter, or he doesn't get enough shots to really establish a rhythm. Um, I, I I I think like. When he catch when he when he shoots off the move where he's catching and going up immediately, he's leaning. It's a little bit awkward in terms of the way like the, the way he elevates and shoots it. Um, so I think I think just getting him a, a repeatable stroke down in terms of whether you're catching whether whether he's running into a spot and shooting immediately or he's just positioned and waiting, just getting a developing a, assist, a consistent mechanic and release point and 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 body uh, functionality there is huge. Another thing I think is just that rhythm where I'm not holding it too long, but I'm also not like rushing it, and just okay, I'm gonna rise up and I'm gonna go. Just one second, go. Yeah. Like one second. Like, I think there is a little bit of force of him forcing 
off the on the move a little too much. So as a result, you'll see him break the backboard with a shot, and it'll it'll be like a long offensive rebound because he's not calibrating the de- the, pre- the death perception isn't there. So he's just letting it fly. He doesn't really have a great feel for the ball yet. But I think that those are things that if he's put in a role where he can get more shots, he'll do it. Um, and I think once he kind of finds his footing as a, as, as a catch and shoot, but also catching and going up immediately, that'll be when he is really starting to hit on all cylinders. You saw when he got more playing time under Brett his rookie year, yeah. he, he, he was a better shooter. Like I think he was shooting 47% from three at one point his rookie year. And he had a game where he hit like five threes. But he's had a game where he hit five threes last season. I think it will be the biggest talk of the season yeah. like oh, for that night. If he's a over, above average NBA shooter, um, that is changes the entire conversation on the team. So yeah. Sure. By the way, did you see, did you see that the, the Grizzlies waived Carson Edwards? So, oh. the, <laughs> so the Celtics officially traded and Matisse Stiebel for nothing, really. There's so much I'm plugging in Carson Edwards. I didn't even know it was with the Grizzlies. I thought it was still with the Celtics. And they traded him. They traded Dude, him. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he's a uh, March Madness uh, darling. Oh, yeah. Sixers player. Yeah, he cannot play. Cannot play. He losing their mind over him. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, you have to go for your number two. So my number two is Joel Embiid. And um, now, specifically around fourth quarter crunch time, Joel Embiid. I think that what we saw from Joel Embiid last year was just a phenomenal growth um, offensively, defensively. I thought his game matured. I thought he matured as an athlete, um, mature decision maker. I mean, we saw him develop things off the ball. He kind of looked like a guard out there a lot of times, taking guys off the dribble, dissecting the defense. He was a guard for a lot of times because, you know, Ben would kind of sit back and, and watch the show. So, I mean, that growth, and you think about, you know, what he was coming out of Kansas, a guy who didn't even play basketball before going to college. Um, it's just a remarkable growth. It makes you think about, you know, what does it look like in the next couple of years? Is there another level to him um, for us to see? But when we go to the fourth quarter, um, there are things about his game that are still very uh, – need to be tightened up. And it's the idea, the sloppiness – coupled with the fitness base, coupled with the decision-making. You know, I can't answer why things seem to go south a lot of times in the fourth quarter for Joel. I think that, you know, obviously him having to carry a huge load offensively is a big problem. I mean, you see guys swarm two, three guys on top of him. It makes it sometimes impossible to even make a pass. But I think if you just kind of zoom out and just look at the big picture with Joel in the fourth quarter, I think we'll see a guy who can still take a next step as somebody who can be relied upon to score um, and bring games home in the crunch time of, of games. And I think that that's kind of what I'm looking for, Joel, this year in the fourth quarter. How sharp are you of a decision maker? What does your fitness base um, look like? And I think he's made strides in that area. I do think sometimes we overrate that a little bit. But, I mean, you can still see. I mean, sometimes, you know, he just gets tired, man, and it's – you know, maybe this is going to be his future in the NBA, but maybe there's another step there for the take. So I think just overall fourth quarter, Joel Embiid and, you know, what that looks like in the future could potentially, you know, make or break the Sixers um, playoff hopes. Yeah. So one thing I would posit there is like, I generally do agree with you for sure. Um, What I would say is I wonder how much of that is a product of Ben Simmons just existing <laughs> with, 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 within the offense. Like, obviously. Yeah. Like, like, like if you have, let's just say you put out um, George's Niang and he is shooting 42% on six attempts per game. And you put Danny Green out there. You put, uh, you, 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 you put Seth out there. You put uh, Tyrese out there. And you know the the, the those are going to be you know the, the, that's your four. I suspect the spacing would look a lot different for him, and would make it easy, easier at least, um, for him to operate because in um, in 
a playoff scenario or even in a regular season scenario now, he's going to he, he's not going to see single coverage anymore. Maybe he'll see it like in the uh, regular season and like first quarters, but he's not going to get consistent single coverage anymore. So what's going to happen is he's either going to learn how to just live with doubles or he's going to have – they're going to have to put pieces around him that basically saying, I dare you to just double him. I dare you to play off of me and double. Um, and that's going to be just more shooting and, and, and like a one or two additional ball handlers, and I think you're in business there. Um, I – I, I don't know. I don't know either way. Like whether yes or no. I don't know how much better his his, his fitness base can be, but I, I would venture to say it's harder for Joel Joel to get much better than what he was last year because that was a dominant performance from from start to finish. So I completely agree. Ben Simmons' present offensively can be a, a hindrance for him. But let me play devil's advocate a little bit. If you take Ben out and you put in another say another guard, Demetrius guard on the lineup. Like D'Angelo Russell, let's just say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Savant, like a little, like, you know, just has like the red bull, uh, whatever you call it, the bull fighting defense that he plays. Uh, if you have him out there, what do you think it's going to impact Joel in the defensive end? Because now he's okay. got to run around and track and, and do things that he doesn't have to do with Ben uh, when Ben is out there kind of closing down driving lanes. So, yes, his fitness base may not get to a higher point, but it can be much more depleted. If you got D'Angelo Russell out there in the perimeter yeah. doing his defensive things. So he may point. have to be prepared for that. And by being prepared for that, be getting even better fitness shape if he's able to do so. Um, I just and wonder. Think, and sorry, one more thing. I do think there's an element. So I, offensively, yes, spacing is going to be a thing for him, and it's going to help him tremendously. But he still is the kind of guy who demands and wants the ball in the post. And he wants to create offense in the post. And that, to me, as a shelf life, man, I mean, no matter how dominant you are, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to run into turnovers because it's a physically demanding uh, position to play out of and score from. Yeah. So becoming more of a pick-and-roll threat as a role, man, is just another way that he contribute in the fourth quarter. Again, with the, with the right guard play around him, that should be much easier for him to do. But he still has to show the commitment to to be a role man, a big role. That's something he's never done in the NBA. So, you know, maybe that's the way from going to fourth quarter as well. Yeah, um, I would. I don't know either way because I'm just not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know any of this stuff. But I, I just don't know. It is realistic to think that a guy of that size who needs to load up on load up on food to be strong and you know, be healthy and be able to play. Um, I don't know that he his body is manufactured at in a way that is conducive to him being able to be in can, to be conditioned like that. You know what I mean? Like I I I, I don't know either way how conditioned he was last year, but he was dominant enough to make me think that it was by far the best of his career. And I don't know, maybe the standard was so low before that that it is possible for him to get in better shape. But I just have a hard time believe, believing that without external factors like the roster construction or the players around him, I don't know how much better he can be. And maybe he just – maybe under the current roster construction at this franchise right now, he's just always going to be a guy that is more dominant in the first – three quarters than he is the, four, the fourth quarter because he's just exhausted from carrying the offense because they can't rely on the other teammates. Um, but I, I do wonder whether that's more, whether it ultimately is like, okay, we, well, we've reshaped the roster. We've done this, we've done that. Um, and he still is the way he is. Like, I wonder if that's just the kind of build he has. I mean, it isn't a skill thing. I, I don't know that it's a clutch thing either because he's he's made big shots in his career. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like I, I, I just I just wonder if it's just not physically possible or if it's just another part of like roster construction just doesn't make it conducive to him being a great fourth quarter player. 
Well, let me ask a similar question. Do you think they would accept playing less games, knowing that we would be putting at risk, you know, his MVP, All-NBA team, for the sake of just being perhaps in just better physical condition? I don't think it matters how many regular season games he fits he sits out because at the end of the day, when the playoffs come, you're playing every other day. They're going to guard. They're, they're going to get more physical with you. They're going to guard you differently, and it just it's just the. I think it's ultimately going to have to be about better roster construction. But I don't know whether that happens in this era of Sixers basketball because the assumption would be that okay, they don't resign Tobias Harris in three years. Is Joel Embiid even still here in three years? Yeah. You know, is Daryl still here three years? Is, is is Doc here three years? I don't know that there won't be another rebuild in three years. So, um, I I I I think there's a lot of questions there that we just it's impossible for us to answer yeah. because we, we don't have a lot of variables at play. I will say this: I think he had his chance of that with Jimmy Butler, and he still wasn't a great fourth quarter player in yeah. the playoffs. So I don't know. Um, yeah. Moving on to my number two i think this is the most critical factor not just to their uh relevance in the in the eastern conference this year but also their recovery from ben simmons long term uh tyrese maxi i think that 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 volume not just like the three-point volume, but the I'm going to go hunt my shot every single time. I'm going to put the burners on. I'm going to change speeds. I'm going to change hands. I'm going to finish wrong foot off the top of the backboard and, and, and get it to go off the wrong hand. Um, his game needs to take a monumental step. Just And it, it's, it's I know it's a lot of pressure for him, and it's unfortunate that it has to be that way. He also seems like the kind of guy that's built for that kind of pressure. Um and that's just the bottom line. Like, I think he's going to be in a position to be a starter from day one this season. And so with that is going to come an expectation that he has to take the next step. And I think he has all of the tools to be that guy. Um, the three-point volume was was very, 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 very encouraging in the summer league. Yeah, seven plus. Yeah. And that was also like – Clearly the man clearly the mandate was do whatever the fuck you want. Oh yeah. Imagine <laughs> you seven plus with Doc. You want to play for next month. Talking <laughs> about like you're done. Right. Right. March. right. And so like like I, I don't care if he's shooting 10 threes a game, but I think I I I I need him to clear a ball screen and then just oh, you're playing off. Watch that. <laughs> and I need that I need that to be a two or three times a game type thing. Um if he's not doing that, he needs to uh, split the screen and attack the middle of the lane, and then and then if there's if someone helps over too far, sling that thing to the opposite corner where there's a three point shooter open. Um, he's gonna have to take a step as a playmaker because that he's a he's a lead ball handler, and you just need to be a better playmaker in order to be that kind of guy. Um, but there can't be a lot of there can't be extended stretches of timidness and and him being unsure of himself it's got to be quick it's got to be confident and it's got to be i'm playing at three different levels i'm going to get you at the rim i'm gonna get you in the mid-range i'm gonna get you at three point line. i don't care if he takes mid-range numbers at all really that doesn't ma- matter to me i'm cool with it you got to make 48 to 50 percent of them in in in, in ideal world and you got to make about 35 percent of his threes but if he's if, if he's able to 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 play with confidence at all three levels that's going to be half of the battle. I mean, I, th- I think he's two thirds of the way there. I mean, if you look at how he performed last year, yeah, uh, at the rim, as somebody who comes downhill as a driver, I mean, he was. A, I mean, I wrote an article on him. He was at the very top of names that are all all stars. Uh, he's got that mid range floater that is very reliable. He got to the rim more consistently uh, yeah. as the season progressed and in summer league and, and got to the free throw line. Um, all those things point very positive for him as a ball handler. Um, the shot is something that, um, you know, still not there, but I mean, he's a guy who is, I don't think he suffers from confidence issues at all, man. Yeah, nah. <laughs> this guy loves to play basketball. I think all the, all the things that you said, I think he, he will definitely shoot for them. And I'm very confident Tyrese Max is a starter, man. I think that uh, the Sixers hit on a big time pick there. And you see the improvements he's made as a ball handler at Kentucky. Like he was, he never had that, he never was able to swing that pass cross court. I mean, you watch him at Kentucky. He's a very narrow vision. And he's starting to see that with the Sixers. So he's a guy who picks up things very quickly. 
I spent too much time watching Emmanuel quickly at Kentucky. I didn't watch enough. <laughs> I wasn't even sure Tyrese was an NBA player at Kentucky when I was Ooh. watching IQ. Who do you think is a higher ceiling, quickly or Maxi in the NBA? I have no idea. Um, it's a hard question. They're both really good. I think quickly is a little bit higher, to be honest with you. I don't even know. I, I, I see a lot of Brandon Knight and quickly, which I don't like. Um, I have no clue. I, I, I could be, I could be convinced either way. I think. Yeah. Yeah, My guess is probably, probably Maxi because I think he's more of a three-level guy than, 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 than quickly is. Like, I, I, I loved everything that quickly did as in college, and I, and I was very happy with him as a rookie. Um, I just think he's a guy that number one is 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 jump shot reliant. And I think he can get to the rim, but I think it's sort of like he looks more fluid as a jump shooter, whereas I think Tyrese is comfortable with whatever you do it. Yeah, I can see that. I do I do think Dibbs gets in the way a little bit of quickly. Uh doesn't play him enough one and then he thinks, you know, the offense should run to Julius Randle and all yeah. the players down there. So. Yeah. Um give me your number two. Wait, my number one. What was your number two? My number two was Joel. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Number one. We take another quick break from the pod to talk about our sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. If it's the NFL, choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Hey, NBA is coming, MLB is coming to an end soon. NBA is getting started up a couple months. Choose five out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineups. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Um, use promo code Simmons for three. I know, Simmons for three. Uh, that uh, when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. That's Simmons for three. Again, it's the word four, F-O-R, three, number three, Simmons for three. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. And now we get back to the pod. So I mean, my number one is going to be Tyrese Max. To me, okay. he's the guy that can really swing the Sixers. Um, not only on the court, so all the things you talked about on the court, right, which I completely agree. And he does things that we expected Ben Simmons to do as a player here, uh, but Ben never really did consistently. So you know, this idea, for instance, that Ben Simmons is a great transition player, um, that's not necessarily true. I mean, he's a guy who generates transition opportunities for you, and he's able to you know, find guys in the open open lanes, but if you look at Ben Simmons as a scorer in transition, he's not a very good scorer, um, and he's a guy who turns the ball over a lot. Yeah, and, uh, Maxi, I'm hoping that Maxi can take, for instance, De'Aaron Fox in transition and mold his game after De'Aaron Fox, a guy who puts pressure right down the rim, protects the basketball, and is really looking to drive and get contact first and foremost. Ben is never thinking scoring in transition. So I think that may help the Sixers offense a little bit. You know, as a pick-and-roll ball handler and as a guy who attacks downhill, similar things. So I think all those things that we expected from Ben to be an aggressor in offense, I think we're going to be able to see that from Maxi, and it's going to be a welcome change. But even off the court and the idea that if Maxi hits and there's another window for a star player, perhaps a Dame or, or somebody else, uh, can perhaps Maxi now be – he may not be the center package – but is there something else to work with there with the return you get from Ben? Perhaps you get a couple of picks, Maxi. Does that now become an enticing package for like a Dame Lillard or something like that? So I'll Maxie, do you better. What if Maxi becomes a guy that if we trade, if it, I'm not saying we, but if, 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 if we're the Sixers, do we trade Ben in one deal? And get X Y Z back, and then do we trade Maxi another deal to get this guy back? And suddenly, we have Joel, we have Tobias, we have Dame, and we have 
Uh, exactly. <laughs> sure. It's a, it's a good example. Right now. Uh, that would be quite a lineup. And I think that's what uh, more may be thinking. It's like, I don't no have defense score. played, but they would score. <laughs> they would score. That would be a fun thing to watch. I'm not gonna watch. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone would, ha would have their faith restored in the franchise if that was what happened. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah. I think that's what Maury's thinking. Maury's thinking, I don't have to solve everything as Ben trade. I just have to recoup enough stuff that I can pivot and move to something else if I need to. And you also have Bible who. I think he's a lot of value in the market. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think they view him as something that they wouldn't. They're interested in trading. I think they would. I think they would pivot to like other guys on the roster before they go to Thibault. Even if it means you know Bradley Beal type return. Probably, I think they'd probably include. I think if it was for Bradley or Dame, I think they would. They they would do it, but I think they'd be like, "How about we go this guy first? Or how about we go this guy instead?" And then if it gets down to that, I think they'd probably decide to do it. Um, just to clarify, I'm not saying Max, he's not safe, but I do think that there's an interesting conversation if, like, if the goal is to maximize your star power, you have to you have to hit on your young picks in order to get stars without trading away your superstars. And if Tyrese is not a superstar, which I, I don't feel comfortable labeling him as that yet, um, you have to have the conversation of is he worth a Zach Levine? Is he worth a Bradley Beal? Whatever. So I, I think that's I think that's just an interesting thing to ponder. Um, I'm surprised you didn't go this guy number one, but I did. Ben Simmons. What <laughs> what happens with Ben Simmons has got to be the number one most important or biggest storyline heading in the camp. Um, For sure, it is. I just assumed that he was gone by then. So, but yeah. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> fair enough. Um, <laughs> I wrote a story today on what's to come and what they can do with penalties and fines. Um, I have I, obviously the reports all suggest that he's going to show up at some point. I have no idea. I think they're best suited withholding the payment due October first instead and not suspending him because, <coughs> like, if you if you suspend him, it's going to hurt his trade equity. And it's going to, and even worse than it already is diminished. Um, and if you find him, like it's $2,500 and that increases by $2,500 every day he misses, but it's not going to move any needle. It's not going to, he's the guy that makes $147 million. He doesn't care about $2,500. He spends that every day on his new, on, on his next uh, Ferrari, whatever. Um, just for gas. Yeah. Um, so I think the best move is just to withhold that eight point whatever million he's owed on October 1st, because that's like 36 days worth of a fine in itself. So withhold that he can take them to arbitration, whatever. And that'll be a long process to get that money recovered. If they don't, if, he, if they don't pay it back to him, I think the best, that's the best course of action. Withhold that money. He doesn't show up. Continue as if he doesn't exist. And, and, that, and that's it. If he does show up, obviously it's going to be a pretty big story. Um, I, I'm very curious to see who asks which question first, because my guess is they would probably like Howard would be the first to raise his hand. And oh what do you think you would ask? Oh, you already know what you would ask. You would. You would <laughs> I, I think his head might explode because he would have so much opportunity to choose from. He wouldn't know what to do. Um, but they would probably try to push him his, his his question back towards the middle. So that way it isn't the first question that Ben is greeted with. Um, but obviously, if he plays, if he is trying when he plays, if he plays his butt off because maybe he's trying to maybe he's like, Well, I gotta get traded out of here. I'm gonna I'm gonna help my trade value and just play my ass off and, and be great. Um or maybe there is something part of this that, that is salvageable. Maybe they're they're looking to give it a, a, they're trying to salvage this and work it out. Who knows? But that's obviously going to be the most, the most significant story of camp. I can't wait for the first day of quotes because it's going to be a mess or it's going to be, it's just going to like the first quote that I get, I'm just like, Oh my God, this is, this is gold. Um, especially with doc comparing, especially with doc making a Trump reference today with that was, that was something else. I haven't, I, I had to read that context, but um, that was wild. Um, Tiago. Your number, you gave your number one already. Where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find me right there, T. Scabia on Twitter. Uh, we also write a ton of stuff about the Sixers on PaintedLines.com. And, you know, we cover the Sixers post-game, sometimes do some pre-games. You can catch us always after games. And, you know, we discuss, you know, how the game was, you know, player analysis and so forth. So, yeah, be on the lookout for us. And uh, we'll be doing some more stuff this season for sure. You can also find him trolling Celtics fans on Twitter. And I've toned it down, man. I've toned it down. <laughs> but I will not miss the chance to talk about a 5 for 25 paid a million Twitter. <laughs> those those are becoming fewer and farther between. Yeah. But they, don't, they, they, do, they do fall under the radar when they happen. People don't – people are very uh, – You don't forget. Yeah, they, they forget fast. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NBA Krell. I cover the Sixers on the beat for the painted lines. Uh, I also write for the painted lines as well. So you'll, you'll see me write every week. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in and having, uh, and, and, and giving your input and commentary and questions. Um, have a good weekend, everybody. Media day is Monday. I will be on the zoom calls. Uh, training camp begins after that in the next couple of days. So you'll have footage, you'll have quotes. So get ready. Basketball season is back, whether you want it to or not. Your life is over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Have a good weekend. <laughs>